You're listening to the Nutrition by Lex podcast with Alexis Roberts, a dietetic graduate student and soon-to-be registered dietitian. All right. Hi, guys. Welcome back to the Nutrition by Lex podcast. I am here today with Jen Trepik. Um, Jen, if you want to just introduce yourself real quick. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Of I'm course. so excited. This is going to be fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just to tell everybody my, it's funny, my background is actually in business and marketing. And really? I came to all of this nutrition stuff through my own saga. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's um, how a lot of people are. <laughs> right. Like I hate the word journey. I feel like it doesn't capture it yeah, entirely. It's right. It's definitely it's a saga. A saga. <laughs> and you know, in that process of yo-yo dieting and trying to find a million things, I finally found a program that allowed me to say I've kicked my food issues. And I call it the nutrition education we're all supposed to know and no one ever taught us. Right. I was like, how is this not what we learn? Like, it's crazy. So from then I set out on a mission to pay it forward and help people help themselves with this information. So I started, thank you. Yeah. So I started coaching and working with clients. This was late 2007. So it's been a while. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It was like, I was doing health coaching before health coaching was a thing, you know? Yeah. And uh, I started working with clients late 2007. I became an insatiable student. I read every book I could get my hands on in the studies. And I went to every workshop and seminar And, uh, from there, I really built a practice on the side of a full-time job. I love that. And then, thank you. Yeah. Then respect the hustle. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. So then July, 2019, I took the leap and turned all the health and wellness stuff into my full-time and started my podcast, which is called salad with a side of fries. I love that name. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. And it's all wellness and weight loss, but for real life and clearing up the misinformation, bad science, marketing, all the stuff that's wreaking havoc in the wellness space. Right. Which is exactly what we're going to be doing today, pretty much. Yes. Yes. And I love what you're doing because it's a lot of the same kinds of conversations. Right. Exactly. Just approaching things from the education side makes sense. Giving people actual science and knowledge to know like that their body, it's it's a working machine, as I like to say, and food is the fuel for it. And we just need to like, let go of all of these food rules and just like live. And people just don't understand that. Like, because there's so many rules in the diet culture and it's been, I know there's so much movement right now that's getting like canceled diet culture and stuff, which like I love, but it's been ingrained in us for so long that it's so hard for some people to just like overcome it and actually like get it out of their heads. Exactly. It's, it becomes the tape that plays in the back of our mind. Yep. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So as you guys know, there's like so much nutrition information floating around out there and a big chunk of it is often false and it comes from absolutely nowhere. And sadly though, it's not only creates confusion, but it also creates these nutrition rules and myths that we were just like touching on. And they're hard to debunk. Like we said, they're stuck in our heads and they're just like ingrained into us. So me and Jen, we've come up with a few of different food rules that we want to just basically debunk for you guys and tell you guys why they're not true and why you don't need to be afraid of them. Exactly. Right. So um, I'm going to start with the first one and then we'll just kind of go back and forth with like talking about these and why we don't believe in them, why they're absolutely false pretty much. Okay. Perfect. 
All right. Sounds good. So my food rule number one is it says that you should only eat one piece of fruit a day and you should eat it without any other foods. Um, and you shouldn't eat it at night. I've heard this so much. It absolutely drives me crazy. This one's absurd to me because like it's fruit. It's fruit. I know. I always say to people like no one died from eating too many bananas. No, never. No. Right. I know. And they taste freaking good. So like, what are you doing? (laughs) Okay. So the food fact for this one that I have, uh, I've come up with is that you can absolutely, you can and absolutely should eat more than one piece of fruit per day. And there are new, no food rules about it whatsoever, how to eat it, when to eat it, what you want to eat it with or anything like that. So ideally the recommended daily amount of fruit per day is about two servings. And one serving is equal to like one piece of fruit or one cup. So like a banana, an apple, an orange, or one cup of grapes or berries or melons or any kind of fruit you really want to have. Um, but that being said, this guideline isn't a rule. Like there's no rule to it. Like this is a guideline and not everyone's body is the same, right? I also think it's a function. Well, first of all, to go on your, the size thing. Yeah. Just to clarify for everybody, it's like an average medium size piece of fruit. Like right. the apple that's the size of your head, no. not from nature generally. <laughs> like what right? if you can fit your hand around? Like <laughs> Right. Yeah. Exactly. But um, it's so funny because it's like, you know, the guideline, not a hard and fast rule. It's also, well, what's the alternative? If you're eating an extra piece of fruit instead of, you know, Kit Kats and a box of Cheez-Its and a tub of ice cream, like eat the extra fruit. Like let's not lose our common sense. Exactly. And along with this guideline too, is it's intended to give you like more micronutrients And that's when it comes into like eating the rainbow and stuff. And I know if you guys follow me on Instagram and TikTok and stuff, I preach eating the rainbow all the time because of all the different vitamins and nutrients that you get from that. So you're getting so much more from eating a bowl of fruit than you are from eating a bowl of gummies or something like that. Um, Absolutely. And the sugar is different. When the sugar is with the fruit, right, there's fiber and all these other phytonutrients and the things that our body needs, which means that 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 sugar impacts you differently than the gummies or the candy bar. 100%. There's very big difference between fruit sugar and like man-made sugar and all this. Like, and I've, I've gone on about that before. I can go on tangents with that kind of stuff. I know. (laughs) Yeah. So on top of all that, there's definitely like no wrong or right way to be eating the fruit. Um, The idea that the fruit should or shouldn't be eaten with certain food is also such a trash myth. Like I know there's, um, that those that trend go around for a while, like the food combination stuff where yep. you should only be eating certain things with each time. Yeah, no. Our bodies can digest many different foods no matter what we pair them with. Um, it does not matter if you're eating fruit alone or if you're eating them paired with a protein, carbs, or fat. While saying that, it's probably going to keep you full longer and satisfied longer if you do pair it with a protein, carb, or fat, but it's not going to be digested any any different way or any worse. So yeah, do you have anything else to add on top of like this fruit cravings and eating one piece of fruit a day? (laughs) No, I think go for the fruit guys. Like don't fear the fruit. (laughs) No, don't fear the fruit. Exactly. I love that. That's good. So what's your first one? Yeah, go for it. Um, I think I'll start with, you know, what worked for my friend will work for me. Right. That's a good one. Similar to what you were saying with how much fruit we need, our bodies are different. There are certain things. Let me just say, there are certain things that are fundamental about 
how the body processes food. That is the same from person to person. There is science to this. Yeah. Physiology, anatomy, all that. Yeah. Right. But within that, we all have different responses to different foods. And, you know, there are some people who, for example, and I'm not a proponent of this, but I'm just saying there are some people who from not eating get a dose of serotonin. Right. There are other people who get a dose of serotonin from eating. Exactly. So as much as what happens, you know, physiologically when we eat, there's a lot that's the same and there's a lot that's different. So what I like to recommend to everybody is exactly what we're talking about today. And I talk about all the time. It's understanding sort of this fundamental nutrition education. Right. And then from there, we can do two things. One is we can test what works for us and see how our body responds to different things. And number two, it also allows us to have a framework from which we can evaluate what we hear on the news, what we see on Instagram, or what we hear our friend doing. Exactly. Because just because something was a magic bullet for someone else doesn't yeah. mean it's the magic bullet for you and doesn't even mean that it's long-term for that friend either. Because exactly. I like to think that our objective is long-term health. <laughs> yeah. You know? Creating a healthy lifestyle versus restrictive dieting and stuff. My favorite, my, yeah. the, the main thing that's coming into my head when we're talking about this is the keto. And every, everyone oh, yeah. knows that I hate keto. I can't stand it. And Just for the record, I mean, I'm older than you and some of your, but like we did this before. Yeah. When I was, you know, we called it Atkins. Right. But they're exactly. basically the same. <laughs> and it wasn't there like South Beach too. Oh yeah. yeah. I gained weight on South Beach. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't exactly. know. So it's been done before. It's not, it's not sustainable for a long period of time. Just throwing that right. out there. We don't condone keto at all. Um, but yeah, so what works for your friend, if they're doing, I don't know, like say they are doing keto or something, it's working for them, all this stuff. It might not work for you. Like your body, like we need carbs and their yep. body might be able to tolerate a lower carb diet longer than yours. And you might crash and turn into like binging sessions. Like you never know what your body is going to be triggered to do with certain diets and food groups and stuff. So it's never the same. And there is a big genetic component to this. I think a lot of people try to pretend that there isn't, but there is in terms of some of these nuances. For sure. Um, And a lot of that comes from our lifestyle. So when we do cut these things out, it can shift our body's ability to handle them when we add them back in. Because like you said, it's about doing something that's sustainable. Exactly. Yeah. So I know that from experience. Um, I know I talked about it in my second podcast episode of my celiac disease. Um, When I was first diagnosed, they told me to take out gluten completely and stuff. And whatever I would try to throw it back in, my reactions were even worse than it was in the beginning because I had been off of it for so long. So it's like that with a lot of different things, if you have an intolerance or not. So it's just the way your body's going to process it and handle the foods that you're putting into it. Absolutely. All right. You ready for the next one? Yeah, sure. Okay. All right. I'm trying to decide which one to do next. Let's go with, I just have to work out and I can eat whatever I want. Yep. So my phrase to everybody on this, are you ready, you guys? (laughs) You can't outrun your fork. No, oh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm full of these. Just wait. Yeah. But you can outrun your fork. Think about like on a perfect week, right? How many times do you exercise? For me personally? Yeah. Averaging like four to five. Cool. Yeah. How many times do you eat in a week? Oh, a lot. <laughs> 
right. Like at least minimum, three or four times a day. Right. So like at a minimum, 21 times, exactly. three times a day for seven days. Exactly. So if we're trying to undo 21 times of doing something with four to five times of doing something. Right. It's not going to work. It doesn't work. Yeah. And the other thing about this and we'll come back to this in some later myths also, but it's not like when you're working out, you can direct your body to be like, oh, let's work out the gummy bears now. Yeah, exactly. You can't <laughs> like, <laughs> no, it's, that's like with spot reducing fat as well. That oh, like, yeah. So people are like, I just want to lose my love handles. Well, in order to lose your love handles, you've got to lose overall body fat percentage, which is going to come from all places of your body. And then they'll eventually go down. It's not like, oh, I can spot reduce this spot, reduce that there. So it's the same, it's the same idea when burning off the foods that you're eating. Right. And there are certain exercises we can do that help target different areas. But overall, yeah. again, it's, it's like we can't direct the body to do certain things. There no. are some people who lose the weight, like, you know, head to toe. Like we see it in our face first. Me. You know? and Yeah, <laughs> me too. As soon me as too. I start to put on some weight, I'm like a round circle in the face. And then as soon as I start to lose it, that's the first place I see it. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Exactly. So Which it's is not a place that most people aren't even really worried about at first, but right? then, yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> but people like you and I, we notice it. I see yeah. it in my face instantly sometimes. Oh, exactly. And admittedly, some of that is probably in my head, but it's true, yeah. you know? No, exactly. It's like, and we just can't direct our body. We can't no. tell it what to burn. And assuming that we're going to work off anything or everything that we eat, there's no way. Is also, it, it's just like what we were talking about with keto and these other things. It's not sustainable. It's not. Mm -mm. It doesn't create a healthful environment for all of your organs and no. everything else. Like we can't eat Doritos all day, every day and be like, oh, it's fine because I was on the treadmill for 45 minutes. Yeah, no, it you doesn't know? work like that. <laughs> and similar with exercise and muscle, if you don't use it, you lose it. Exactly. So it's not like we can be like, oh, I played on recess in fourth grade for one time. Like, I'm good. Good. No. You know, like <laughs> we have to do it all the time. And so I think it's really important that we don't set our lifestyle up with that expectation. Right. Because again, it's about for forever. Exactly. It's a healthy balance. Yeah. Right. I love And that. I love the, and I'm a big proponent of let's work out because we love our bodies. Oh my gosh. Yes. Rather than working out to punish our bodies right. or, you know, to undo our food. Yeah. To burn off the foods and stuff like, no, working out is a celebration of what your body can do. And, Absolutely. And for me personally, like everyone's always commenting on like how far I run and like when I go for runs, how to like, how do I get myself to do that? Like running for me personally is mentally. Like if I'm yeah. having a bad day, I go for a run and I know that by the time I get back from my run, I'm going to be feeling so much better. Like might not be a hundred percent, but I'm still feeling way better than I was before I went for my run. So that's more mental for me versus like, Oh, running burns a lot of calories. It used yep. to be a long time ago. And that's where you, where I can see my progress. That's almost more where I measure my progress. Cause I personally, like as so many people did worked out to burn calories. Now I work yep. out because it's fun and I can share my workouts with you guys. Like it's, it's fun. And, and like you said, it's the mental thing. I mean, I was the same way. And I think like you said, also it's this evolution. Oh, it's a yes. sign of our progress. Mm -hmm. And sure. In the beginning we work out, you know, for that purpose. And over time we yeah, can get to are. the point where it's the mental thing. And just for everybody, it doesn't have to be running. No, you know, gosh, no. find the thing that you enjoy. Exactly. Find what works. 
Yeah. Cause I don't run anywhere, but my front door for the delivery guy. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I always say that if you can't get out of bed in the morning and not be excited, like if you're dreading to do that workout, don't do that workout. Cause clearly you aren't enjoying it. Find something that you can get excited for. And like when you actually go to do your workout. All right. Awesome. Okay. So moving into food rule number, I guess this will be four, right? Yeah. Okay. So I have one that says you should stop eating after 7 PM for the night. Oh, I know this one drives me absolutely nuts. So there's no time or deadline when you have to stop eating for the night. Okay. Speaking of eating certain foods and stuff like that, there's no like time of like when you should be eating, like when we mentioned with the fruit, it doesn't matter what time you're eating it. It doesn't matter what you're eating it with. Um, but this is so common to people that they just believe that like seven o'clock comes eight o'clock comes, you've got to stop eating. Like our bodies, like I said before, are a machine and there's no on and off button. So it doesn't mean like at seven o'clock, your body just shuts off. Your organs are still working. Your digestive system is still working. It's not going to slow down your metabolism. Like you're good. You actually are benefiting your body by like, if you're going to bed hungry, you're slowing your metabolism and stuff. Cause your body's still burning calories as you sleep. So if you actually benefit yourself that going to bed with a snack right before bed, if you're hungry versus going to bed with your stomach growling. Yeah. It's one of those things. I think this comes back to one of the myths that I'm going to talk about too. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like, if we shorten the time frame of eating, is it really just helping us cut calories? Right. Yeah. The truth is that time, if, if you are like, okay, I need a cutoff time mentally, we want to base that cutoff time based on when you're going to sleep, mm-hmm. not based on some arbitrary number that someone once said one time on Oprah. Exactly. Like there's been science that shows that you do get a better, better sleep and stuff if you eat two hours prior to going to bed. So if you're going to bed at 11 o'clock, don't cut yourself off at seven because you're going to be right. hungry by the time you go to bed, right? There's no, like everyone always thinks like, oh, it's dark. I can't eat. Like, no, if you want that, what I, like for me personally, my go-to at night, I've said this so many times before on all my stuff is I love dates and peanut butter. Like that's my favorite, like Yum. sweet tooth at night. Oh, I'll take goodness. anything with peanut butter. It's so good. Oh, it's so good. But I love it. Um, but I don't like, if I'm about to go to bed and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have this like strong sweet tooth and I just want it, which this is going to go into a couple of our other myths too. I already see where it's going, but, (laughs) um, but I like know that like, I'm going to be laying in bed thinking about it and not be able to sleep and my stomach's going to growl and I'm going to get a worse night's sleep if I don't eat it versus if I just let myself have that date and stuff. So. Yeah. And it's one of those things I will say quick caveat to this is that if you have serious sleep issues, you know, where Mm -hmm. you don't sleep through the night or you have insomnia or some real diagnosable sleep stuff, then it's a different conversation because we can use our food and fueling our body to help reset our body's clock and the circadian rhythm. But for the most part, again, it's like if you're hungry at eight and you're not going to go to bed till 11 or midnight, your body is saying, I need fuel in order to stay awake. Exactly. Exactly. And you're not going to get the sleep that you think you will if you're starving yourself until you go to bed. Cause right. you're going to be even like, think about it. If you go to bed at 10, 11 o'clock ish, and you say you're done eating at seven and you don't wake up until nine, you're going over 12 hours uh, without eating. And I know that's like, some people are like, well, I'm intermittent fasting and all this stuff. Like you said before, intermittent fasting, all it does is shorten your time period to decrease your caloric intake. 
Like the time really doesn't have anything to do with it. People that are successful on intermittent fasting, it, it's are successful because their caloric intake is lowered due to their time restrictions. So, and again, I go back to short-term versus long-term success. Exactly. exactly. And you know, it, I, the only intermittent fasting I like for people is dinner to breakfast, provided right. that's a reasonable number of hours. So like, right. what's the first meal of the day? Breakfast. Breakfast. Break. Yeah. Fast. Yep, exactly. So we've all, for all of time, <laughs> intermittent right. fasting has been a thing and it's called sleep. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> you know, it's dinner to breakfast. Sure. It's so true though. And think about it. We recommend, you know, even a great night's sleep is something like eight hours. Mm -hmm. We stop eating maybe a couple hours before that. That's probably the longest you ever want to go without eating. Right. And it's while you're sleeping. Exactly. Exactly. So I, people, I get questions about intermittent fasting all the time. And I yep. always say, if you are going to intermittent fast, don't fast my longest. And I don't even recommend this to most people, but my longest period of time I would say is 12 to 14 hours. I don't recommend the 16 and 18 hours. Thing. That's absolutely absurd. It's so crazy. And it makes my head hurt when people are like, I'm not eating for 18 hours. I'm like, oh my God, I die after four hours of a day. Like, Not to mention like what chemically happens in the body. Right. I mean, this is a whole other episode. I just wrote an article on this. Um, it, it really is, again, thinking short-term versus long-term. But really, if we're functioning or wanting to function, right, throughout properly. the day with, yeah. properly, without fuel. Right. It's the idea of running your car with, no with one gallon of gas and expecting yeah. to get across the country. Exactly. I always say that. I was talking to someone this past weekend. I was at a baseball tournament with um, my boyfriend. And one of the moms was asking me about, she found out that I was like studying nutrition and stuff. So, you know, it's always like a conversation starter. Because yep. um, she was talking about how her, her son wasn't, wouldn't go into practices fueled and stuff like that. And how like we could like help him do that. And I was like, well, think about it. If you're going to go try to travel somewhere and you don't put any gas in your car, you're not going to get very far. And it's also, yep. I also like to say too, like if you drive a Bentley, are you going to put the unleaded cheap gas in the car? No. Like you got to think of yourself as like an expensive sports car. You got to put the premium gas yep. in it. So get, it's not only like filling say, it, I'm filling it up with the good stuff. Exactly. Like I always say, you can't put paint in the gas tank and expect the engine to run fine. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. That that's like the perfect analogy, yeah. I think, that help people understand the, All the fuel. Of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, going back to intermittent fasting and just time restrictions and stuff, got a fall yeah. tangent there. But <laughs> for me personally, like I like I'm hungry when I wake up. And I know that's because I didn't used to be. So I would skip breakfast all the time because I just wasn't mm -hmm. hungry. But I know that's because I started eating more. And when I started eating more, my metabolism went view. It went straight up, right? Right. You you start eating more, and your metabolism kicks in again, and it just like starts working. It's gonna make you hungry, and by being hungry, that's not a sign of like, oh, I don't have any self control. I don't. I need to like not honor my hunger cues. It's a sign of being right. like, oh, your body's working. Your body's burning off fat. It's this a is really a good, good sign. Yeah, it's yeah. a good thing. It yeah. is. And people don't realize that. And it's just like, no, you're hungry for a reason. Your body needs the food to keep going. Like, that's a good thing. Exactly. So, yeah, that's one of my, I, this rule, I can't stand it. I, I need everyone I listening. Know. Like, write it down in your agenda. <laughs> write it on the back of your hand. Like, you can eat after 7 p.m. Totally. And this <laughs> ties perfectly into the next one, which is the old adage of calories in, calories out. 
Right. right. I just have to create a deficit. Mm -hmm. And this goes toward the time that we eat. This goes toward, you know, trying to work off our food with a workout, all that kind of stuff. It's just not how the body works. No. A calorie is not a calorie, right? Write that one down. A calorie is not a calorie. The way your body responds to 150 calories of cucumber and celery and tomatoes and carrots Which is, is very lot. different. What? Which is big compared right, to that's like- That's a lot of food. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's very different than the way your body responds to you know, the same number of calories made up of M&Ms. Exactly. And again, it's not like we can tell our body, oh, we're, we're going to work off the 200 calories of M&Ms. <laughs> yeah, you can't pick and choose. <laughs> right. So in theory, the idea of a calorie deficit, yes. But in practice, no. no. Because yep. a calorie is not a calorie. We want to think about, here's what I always say to people. Number one, eat for nutrition. Right. Right. And number two, focus more on what you are eating than what you're not. So what are we filling our calories with rather than saying, well, I'm only eating 750 calories a day, so I'm going to lose weight. And right. here's the thing about cutting calories like that. You will lose weight. Yeah, the scale sure. will go down. However, that's one short term. That's not permanent. Yeah, and number two, right. And number two, we lose that weight as water and muscle, not as fat. So then- because it's not sustainable, we go back to these old eating habits, right? And now we have less muscle on our body to be burning that fuel because muscle is metabolically active. Exactly. We gain that weight back as fat. So the scale goes back up. Well, you might be the same number on the scale as you were before, yeah, but, your but body by body percentage. composition, mm -hmm. you're actually fatter at the exactly. same number. Exactly. Which is crazy. People don't, people just think scale, 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 number on the scale. Yeah. That's it. And when looking at body composition, I mean, for me personally, like I'm trying to gain weight and muscle and lose weight and fat. Therefore I exactly. have to know in my head that the scale is probably not going to move because if I'm going up in muscle and down in fat, I'm just going to balance out. And like, that's where people yep. really, really, really ruin their metabolism when they just drop calories so low and they just think I'm just going to eat, like you said, 750 calories and all of their muscle just falls off their body because muscle's first to go. Muscle and yep. water is first to go. Body fat is the hardest to go. And so whenever your muscle just falls off, that's also going to make it harder for you to lose body fat in the future, which is just, it's so like your metabolism's all out of whack after that. And yeah. Remember muscle dictates metabolism. 100%. So if I have less muscle, my metabolism is slower than when I have more muscle. And when we drop our calories like that, it is the starvation response. Our body starts to hold on to everything it gets because it doesn't know when the next meal is coming. Exactly. Our body thinks it's a time of famine. Exactly. It's just so what store. happens, right? So this is also like if we don't eat all day, I see it a lot with guys, like don't eat all day and then eat this big dinner, mm -hmm. right? Your body stores that dinner as fat even if what you choose to eat for dinner is steamed fish and vegetables and like super clean and healthful. Exactly. Because it doesn't know where, it yeah, it doesn't know where your next food's coming from. So it's like, crap, yep. how long is it going to be until I get my next meal? I've got to hold on to this. It's like a bear in hibernation. Exactly. Like they, they hold on all this extra fat and stuff. Cause when they go into hibernation, they need the extra fat for energy. So that's what your body does the same thing. All right. Yeah. That was a good one. I like that one. Cause so many people think that you can still just like Oh, I'll have three donuts today and that's it. And I'm still going to lose weight. It's like, it's fine. 
it's fine. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> Balance is key. Macronutrients are key. Minerals, vitamins, you need all those. <laughs> you know, and you're not exactly. getting any of that from a donut. <laughs> Your organs need all those. Your, oh, brain yeah. your brain needs all those. I was about to say your brain. Yes, that's like my big thing when people go back on keto. You'll you'll be able to tell by the end of this. I despise keto. Um, <laughs> There's a it. lot of diets out there that I despise. Oh yeah. yeah, but like your brain needs five grams of carbs per hour. Per hour, like come on, guys, like, and that's like healthy carbs, not just like refined right. sugar. I always say it's like quality carbs, you know, when we talk macros, you know, it's quality carbs. Yep, exactly. And I have a whole um, episode on macronutrients. If y'all haven't listened to it yet, I went into detail about all of that and examples and stuff. So go listen to that if you haven't listened to that yet. Okay. My next one is um, you shouldn't eat dessert every day. So (laughs) this one can be very controversial, but personally for me, I hate it because I love dessert. Um, So if you want, if you want dessert every day, eat the dessert every day. So I can't tell you how many times I've gotten asked about this. Like sugar gets demonized so much in the media. And that's just like a notion of eating every single day. And the worst possible thing that you could do, people are just like, this is the worst thing ever. It causes cancer. It causes diabetes and all of this stuff. But when it comes to desserts, if you're craving it, I mean, eat it. Cause I'm all about like the balance and healthy aspects of like intuitive eating in a way. Um, I, I personally love intuitive eating and I have a huge sweet tooth. So that's why this one bothers me the most. It's not the same for everyone, as we have said before, like everyone's different. Um, but if you crave dessert every day, but don't let yourself have it, instead of like giving into your cravings, you're going to crave it even more. So if you mm-hmm. tell yourself, it's just like that trend that's going around on TikTok, you know, where they put the candy bowl in front of the kids and they're like, yep. um, they're like, don't, don't eat have it till it. I get back. Yeah. Don't eat it till I get back. And the kids are just like, they either eat it or they're like thinking about it and they're like laughing about it because they want it even more now that you said that you can't. My friend did it, it with her kid and he like smelled it. You oh know? my gosh, that's <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. That's so funny. I saw um I saw one where it was like a couple at a Mexican restaurant and she videoed him with like margaritas and she was like, Don't drink any till we get back. Like and it was the same thing, which I think yeah. is so funny. Um so cute. But yeah, by allowing yourself to have something that you want, like dessert every day, it's much more likely to feel satisfying from a smaller amount. So like I said, yeah. So like, like if I were to deprive myself of my dates and peanut butter that are like every night, um, which I do pretty much eat that almost every night, I have like one or two every night. But if I told myself I couldn't have it for a full week, I might eat the whole box one day when I do have it instead of just having one or two. So this is not only for desserts, I guess this is for any craving, salty, sweet, meals. Like if you, mm-hmm. if you want to have that Taco Bell that you like to splurge on every once in a while, don't deprive yourself from it. Like go have it, but have it at a reasonable amount. But most likely if you're like, if you have it in your head that like, okay, this isn't like a forbidden food. If it's not a bad food, you're not going to crave it as badly. And our body is better equipped to handle a little bit at a time. Exactly. Rather than like a deluge. Yes. You know, yeah. <laughs> of like, you yeah, know, just sure. open it up and let it pour in. What what cartoon is that? Where like they open their mouth and like everything pours in. I don't know. Oh, I have no idea. I don't Maybe. know. It was probably from when I was a cat. Who knows? I was supposed to say, I probably don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. 
But, but yeah. this fits. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Okay, I was gonna say that like there's absolutely nothing wrong with having dessert every day. Like a little added sugar is actually included in the dietary guidelines. Not a lot, but a little bit. Um, so in the scheme of things, an overall healthy diet, some added sugar even daily is not going to derail you from your health journey or your health saga, like your health path. It's not gonna throw you off if you have one small pack of M&Ms or if you have that one donut when someone brings it into the office and says like, Hey, everyone, I got donuts. Like it's not going to derail you and make you gain 10 pounds. It's not going to start over at the very beginning, which I feel like a lot of people think they mess up once they're done. It's over. we got to start all over. Like that's not. Yeah. A couple tips on this one, actually. Um, it, like we were just saying, it sort of depends on what you're choosing. So remember right. though, when it comes to sugar, so really sweet salt and fat are acquired tastes. Exactly. Which means we learn that they taste good. And two, the more we have them, the more we want them. Exactly. And three, the more we have them, the more of it we need for something to register as sweet or salty. So you know the people who start out with like one Splenda in yep. their and drink and then fast forward and then yeah. it's like four and they're like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's because your taste buds adjust and all exactly. of a sudden that thing no longer registers as sweet. Exactly. So if you're in that place, then you want to consider this a little bit differently. And again, it's a little bit at a time and eat it right after your dinner instead of by itself later. Right. Make it a part of the meal still. Right. And like, like I said, like with my dates and stuff, a lot of people don't like dates, but I used to be one like Reese cups, paydays, M&Ms, like those were my go-to. Anything with like chocolate and peanut butter in it. Amen. It's mine. Yeah, I love it. But I have trained, trained, so to say, just over the years for my sweet tooth to be a date. A lot of people can't have that or a bowl of fruit or- And that comes from, you know, retraining your taste buds basically. Exactly. So now I'm fortunate enough to be at the place where I am where I do crave a dried fruit as my sweet. Like a lot of people aren't there yet, but it's still the same- concept of being like, I don't deprive myself from it. Exactly. If I want a blast from Brewster's, I'm going to go get that too. Like we had that for dinner the other night on Father's Day. So a couple of weeks ago. That <laughs> sounds I was, amazing. Oh yeah. We were, none of us wanted real food. And I was kind of like, can we get blast? And we were like, yeah, sure. Whatever. But like we were satisfied with the blast and haven't really craved it since because we just allowed ourselves to have it and it's not a forbidden food. Right. So this actually goes perfectly with my next one. Mm-hmm. which is the idea of the cheat day or the exactly. cheat meal. So yep. here's the thing on this, guys. A lot of us, we come to this place, right, where we want to make our health a priority or we're focused on our nutrition. And whether it's whatever diet we've followed, right, whatever plan we've chosen, there's likely a thought process in our head of on, off, right? Good, bad. Good, bad. Yep, exactly. Right? The cheat. The, I think the idea of the cheat meal or the cheat day came out of a very well-intentioned place of attempting balance. Here's the thing. By calling it cheating, it puts by bad. having – Exactly. Yeah. It p- keeps it in that bad, bad good, mm-hmm. on-off, black-white. Yeah. I completely agree with that. Dessert every day, a little something every day – it's gray. 
Yeah. That's living that's, in the gray balance. in the middle. Yeah, that, that's balance. Exactly. That's the exactly. Balance. Yeah. I love that. I've, I've posted things about this before, but like I used to have the cheat meal. I wouldn't even allow myself a cheat day. I would have a cheat meal. Yep. But when it came to that cheat meal, I would think about it all week. It would just be in the back of my head. I would be like, oh my gosh, on Friday, I'm gonna get those nachos. Like that's what I want. And I specifically remember like one week that I like was craving nachos from this one place. And we had planned to go there like that Friday night or something. And I just thought about it all week. I literally consumed my thoughts. And then when I got there, the nachos, I swear, were like the size of my upper body. Like they were huge. They were massive nachos. And I know for a fact that if I were like allowed myself to have like some nachos or chips, something earlier in the week, I wouldn't have eaten the entire mound of nachos, but I ate the entire mound of nachos. And then some, if we got like dessert or something, because I deprived myself from it for so long. And I was thinking about it and built up. Exactly. It's like that buildup gives Mm -hmm. this meal and these foods so much power. Right. Right? And then you and, also, and then you also have in the back of your head that it's like, okay, I'm having it this week. I can't have my other meal like this for another week. I've got to really eat as much as I can right now because I won't be able to have it until next week. And when that happens, a lot of people end up consuming more calories than they would have in the first place and putting back on some weight that they normally wouldn't have in the first place if they would have just like allowed themselves to have it throughout the week. And your body, like we started to say before, like the way your body processes food It can only take in and use so much fuel at a time, right? right? And the extra is stored as fat. So if we pack all of this stuff (laughs) into one meal, a majority of that, right? Like it doesn't take that much really to fuel our body properly. But so if we have all of this packed into one meal, it's more likely that we're going into a fat storage mode. For sure. Than if we had a little bit, lived in the gray, exactly, and learned to be more sustainable and find this what is true balance, <laughs> right? Right. Instead of perpetuating the on-off, good, bad, black, white, right, of the cheat day or the cheat meal. I yeah, that's those two tied hand in hand, very very good together. Yeah, we're so, a good team. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so going into my next one, which is kind of sort of still going on about this. Um, I don't want to touch on it for too long because I've already touched on it a little bit hating on keto diet, but the carbs, carbs make you fat. People always think carbs make you fat, blah, 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 whatever. Okay. Carbs are not the enemy and they're actually a really important nutrient and should take up 45 to 50% of your daily intake. Um, so eating too much of anything will make you gain weight. There's no, there's nothing specifically wrong with carbs. Carbohydrates are one of the three macronutrients. And like I said, if you haven't, if you don't know what macronutrients are, I have an episode on it, go listen to it. But they're virtually in everything we eat, small, medium, large quantities, whatever we're eating, they're just essential. Um, Carbs include some of the most nutrient dense foods that are like whole grains, fruits, starchy vegetables, potatoes, corns, beans, peas, all those good stuff. That's just whole natural foods. And they're one of the best sources of fiber in our diet as well. So we need them. Fiber not only helps us feel full, but it also, it's also proven that fiber is beneficial in lowering cholesterol or increasing HDL, which is the happy cholesterol, the good cholesterol. That's how I remember it. Lousy cholesterol and happy cholesterol with L and H. And it also protects yep. heart disease, blood, uh, regulates blood sugar levels, uh, keeps you regular. So like, why would we want to limit that? 
like right it's all about the quality carbohydrates exactly. and so the way to think about your quality carbohydrates is exactly what you said the fiber mm-hmm. and our best sources of fiber are vegetables and sometimes fruit right exactly. and then on occasion you know we have some grains or some of those other kinds of carbohydrates yeah. Like Again, rice, we don't want to cut out whole food groups. Right. No, definitely We want to choose quality carbohydrates and focusing on fiber. Right. Exactly. Like we said, like with the rice, quinoa, oats, bran, like whole wheat stuff, focus on like that whole wheat. Just read the ingredients. You're looking for the word whole wheat, whole right. rye. And minimal you know, ingredients. Yeah, like exactly. Less ingredients, better, right? <laughs> right. And I would argue too, you're, uh, so grains are actually an inefficient source of fiber. So they are great. We definitely need them and we want whole grains, but it takes eight grams of grain to get one gram of fiber, which is a lot more quantity for one gram of fiber than it is when we're choosing our vegetables, vegetables and our fruits. fruits. Right. So exactly. we want to focus on those and then have a few of the whole grains in there. Right. I just don't think people realize that carbs are in so many other things besides bread and rice and potatoes and stuff like it is in the fruits and the vegetables. And that's one of the main reasons why I'm so against keto is because people avoid fruits and vegetables because of the carbs. And I'm like, no, don't do that. So I will say like keto versus what we used to talk about is Atkins. Atkins, Keto does talk about vegetables more than Atkins did. Mm Mm-hmm. But the mentality is I'm going to have bacon instead of spinach. I can't stand it. Nope. (laughs) Right. No, it's very different. That's a whole other conversation. That's a whole other conversation. (laughs) Exactly. So on top of all that, um, I just want to point out that we need at least like 120, 130 grams of carbs per day for our brains and body to function properly. I don't think a lot of people realize that. So by limiting carbs, you may lose weight initially because you're decreasing your overall food intake because carbs are a huge food group that you consume throughout the day. So this would happen with virtually any food group, really, if you decrease your protein, if you decrease your fats, if you decrease your fruit intakes, like, you know, anything, decreasing anything, it's going to help you lose weight, but limiting carbs is not the way to go about it. Um, Personally, in my opinion, I know a lot of people would also agree, but not only are they essential, but they are also help you feel satisfied. Like I said before, with the fiber Um, so yeah, don't limit the carbs you eat, focus on eating the whole foods, rich in fiber carbohydrates coming from like whole grains and fruits and veggies done on my rant about carbs. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Do you have Carbs are not the enemy. No. Right. (laughs) All right. So, all right. So the last one I have, are you ready? I was about to say, I think we each have one more. So perfect. Okay. So my last one is plateaus being a bad thing. Right. The thing about plateaus is remember back to like seventh grade science, the idea of homeostasis. Mm -hmm. Okay. Our body will do whatever it can to stay the same. And so a plateau is often our body readjusting to this new place, to learn to live in this new place. So my biggest piece of plateaus is to realize that it's a good thing. Right. That it's a practice in maintenance. It is our body adjusting to the new normal. It's a great place to be. It's a sign of your progress. I agree. So plateaus can be super helpful. The other side to that is a lot of people misuse the term plateau. 
So a true plateau is four consecutive weeks of no weight loss, no body fat loss, and no inches lost. So nothing can change for four consecutive weeks. And a lot of times we focus only on that total number on the scale. And we're not realizing that our measurements are shifting around. Exactly. Body And that our body, exactly. So whether it's using the tape measure and measuring our body fat, those things can be changing and shifting even if that total number isn't. Exactly. So plateaus are not also not the enemy. Plateaus are a great step in this process. And I would just say, like, obviously, first of all, make sure we're properly identifying it. Right. And secondly, look at it as a practice and maintenance and a really good sign of your progress and your body coming back to its new normal. Right. Completely agree with that. Because like I said before, when I was talking about my body fat and my weight, yeah, my body fat, and my muscle weight. So like, I'm trying to get my muscle weight to go up and have my body weight fat go down. That's what I've told myself. I don't need to focus on the scale because it's probably not going to change if I'm trying to have one go up and one go down. It's going to balance itself out. And people don't realize that when they don't see, they think they're in a plateau when they just see like, oh, the scale hasn't moved at all, but yet they don't know what's actually going on with their body because so many people just use the scale as a progress measure, which right? Oh, you guys, the scale is so overrated. Oh my God. So overrated. (laughs) Throw them away. (laughs) Totally. Like seriously, throw them away. Like measure using pictures. Pictures is one of the best way to measure the way your clothes fit, the way you feel, how easier it is to do just like everyday activities. There's so many other positive ways of measuring your progress than using the scale. It's, there's so many other ways. Absolutely. And if you're not sure, reach out. Oh yeah, definitely. Shoot us a DM. I know we're trying to like try to reply to as many DMs as we can, but like, yes, definitely reach out and cause we are more than willing to help. <laughs> okay. So going on to my last rule, which I think is the last rule for this episode. So I hear a lot of people saying this and I've gotten this from like a lot of people is reaching out in DMs and stuff. Um, they say, if I listen to my body, I'll just eat blank, blank, and blank foods all day long and gain weight. So truthfully, if you really do listen to your body, you'll crave a healthy mixture of nutritious and less nutritious foods. Just like we were talking about earlier with the eating dessert every day. If you, if you've listened to your body and actually learn to hear your hunger cues and feel when you're hungry, feel when you're full and what your cravings are and honor those, you're less likely to go on a tangent and binge this one food that's like you think is your like trigger food, right? To start, I think an example, um, there was a book that I read, Breaking Free from Emotional um, Eating. Yes. That one. And then also the book Intuitive Eating. Those Mm -hmm. two are, I'm reading Intuitive Eating again. I love it. It's so good. Um, But those two really hone in and focus on just basically listening to your body and learning to trust your body. Like your body knows what it needs. Like it's, it's like we said before, it's a machine. It knows what your body needs and knows when you're hungry and knows when you need some carbs. It knows when you need protein, like, especially after a workout. I know for me personally, I just like crave a protein shake or crave peanut butter or a cheese stick or something that has, or Greek yogurt, especially like something that has more protein in it. Cause I know that's what my body needs, but I also like, if I wasn't craving it, I wouldn't need it. That makes sense. Yeah. I always say to people too, a great barometer for this is like, 
is it a weird hormonal craving or is it true hunger, right? right. Some of those kinds of questions. Right. If broccoli sounds good, you're hungry. Oh, yeah. If the only thing that sounds good is, you know, cookie dough, probably not real hunger. Yeah. Or probably bored. <laughs> like you said, right. Or like you said, we really need protein. A lot of times when we're craving all that sugar, what our body right. needs is protein. Right. And so I sort of use that as the barometer. And then I also work with my clients um, on hunger ratings mm-hmm. and reminding ourselves to check in and, and get into that habit and learning our own signs of hunger. Like exactly. what's the first thing that happens? For some people, it's like kind of hard to concentrate. Like right, they start dog. to get really distracted. Right you know, by what's going on. Like sometimes that might actually be like the very first sign of hunger mm-hmm. before your body. It. Exactly. So yeah. like when we can start to tune into all of that, it's really, a, it's an awesome place to be. Right. And thirst even. Like I know mm-hmm. a lot of people try to just like, they think, oh, I'm hungry. I'm just thirsty, which in some, sometimes is the case. So if you feel like you struggle with knowing the difference between hunger and thirsty, try drinking a full cup of water and wait a couple minutes and see if you're still hungry. If you're still hungry after that, you're probably hungry, go eat something. But if that fixed your, your craving and stuff, then like, Oh, okay. You're good. And that's, I call it the eight and wait. Yeah. Eight and wait, eight ounces. Eight and wait. Eight ounces and wait eight to 10. Yeah. Even better be 15 minutes and then go. Exactly. And I've also talked about this too, um, previously, but like journaling, like Mm -hmm. if you, I've learned that if you write down when you have a specific craving, um, when you're feeling down what you're craving, like, cause emotions drive food so much as well, drive our food yeah. habits. Um, so just write things down. If you find yourself like at a certain time of the day, like at night, especially for some people when they're laying in bed, they get like a late night craving. They're like, just most of the time they're in their head thinking about something else. And it's just more driven by emotions and stuff. So maybe try like journaling and being more intuitive and more um, honed in on like what you actually, what's actually driving those cravings. Exactly. One of the things is also think about in your journaling, like what was happening right before you started thinking about the food. Mm-hmm. What was going on? What were you thinking about? What, you know, what were you watching on TV right. or what were you talking about with someone or what were you reading? All yeah. those things. And when we do this consistently, the interesting thing that you'll see is that they're definitely patterns. Oh, for sure. And so journaling and tracking and all that stuff, it's not about the food police. It's not mm-hmm. about the immediate thing. It's to have the data to go back and identify the pattern. Uh, figure it out. And that's how, that's how you better learn to understand your body. Cause it's hard to understand our body sometimes, like, especially when you're going through right. changes and if you've changed up your diet and you are on this new health journey, health saga, like it's hard to understand what your body cues are sometimes. And it takes a while. So just by like journaling and writing down those things and going back and even like looking at those things and being like, Oh, okay. Like this happened to say the same thing happened two days ago. Like maybe those things Maybe there's a connection yep. there. Like people don't realize it unless you actually focus in and look at it. Exactly. And remember, for women, your hormones are different every single day of the month. Oh my gosh, yes. Right? You have a 28 to 30-ish day cycle of hormones in your body. So every day is different <laughs> than the right. day before. And that's also different than male bodies right? Where they don't have a different hormone system happening every single day and every single month. No, yeah. So remember what worked for them doesn't necessarily work for us. And to realize it it never does (laughs) normal and natural for things to be different every day. Right. Exactly. They can't be, 
I know so many people try to stay on a plan that's like the exact same every day. That's not the way our bodies work. We want variety. We need variety of that being different kinds of food, that being different colors of food, that being different quantities of food. Like it's going to change every single day. Exactly. So yeah, just the main point of this one is just to know our bodies are smart. We, our bodies know what we need, but learning to listen to it is the hard part. Right. And we teach ourselves out of listening to it by following different diets or different things. And so the more we can return to that, the better off we'll be. Right. Because food food rules, food rules, food rules, (laughs) (laughs) can't get it out. Food rules can be like really hard to ignore, especially like over this period of time of like growing up as a female in America or anywhere in the world, honestly, like it's been so ingrained in our minds, like body image and what we should eat and what we shouldn't eat and how hard we should work out and stuff. So I understand that it is very hard to overcome for a lot of people. And I know a lot of people that listen to this podcast, like you guys are within the ages of 12 up to some of them up to like 35. So it definitely ranges, but being at those younger ages, you hear these rules and they get ingrained in your mind. You think you're doing everything wrong. And that's where we wanted to come in today and kind of just like debunk those for you and just like throw them out the window, throw them in the trash, whatever you have to do in your head, exactly. get them out. (laughs) Yeah. So it's totally okay. If you do still have some of these rules in your head, like I even know going through some of these, I've had these rules in my head before, like they're probably still back there somewhere. I've just suppressed them to be like, go away. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Like you're wrong, (laughs) but it's totally okay to have these rules, but becoming aware of them is the first step. Like the first step of being like, Oh, okay. Like this is what I think. It's not true, but how am I going to get myself to actually believe it's not true? So that's where we just like wanted to come in and put some science behind it, put some facts behind it. Absolutely. So I think we went over pretty much all of our rules, right? You don't have any left? We did it. Nope. Tackle them all. Perfect. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. But I do ask every single one of my guests at the very end, three questions that are just okay. kind of like about you just to help everyone get to know you a little, just a little bit better. So the first awesome. one is, um, what's your favorite food? Of course. <laughs> Can I give two? Of course. Yeah. Go for it. French fries and cookie dough. Oh, okay. I mean, obviously peanut butter also, but I no. almost called my podcast French fries and cookie dough. Really? The two <laughs> things that I will never give up. Yeah. Hey, that's, I love that. Right. We landed on salad with a side of fries, but the other one was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> the other one is a good one. I love that. Okay. The second one is what's your favorite form of like exercise and movement? So I am diehard physique 57, which is bar, I call it bar method on crack. It's okay. really uh, bar method meets high intensity interval training. Oh, okay, cool. I've never heard of this before. So yeah. Is it something, is it like a group class? Yes. Group fitness. Uh, They're based in New York, but they do have stuff online and they're franchising. Um, I can also hook you up, reach out to me and I'll, I can hook people up with them. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. That sounds like really fun combination. Cause I used to do bar and then I also love hit. So like throw the two together. That's a crazy intense workout probably. (laughs) (laughs) It is. All right. And then the last question is what keeps you motivated to live the lifestyle you're living and do what you do, what you're doing? It's a great question. Um, Fundamentally, it's how I feel Mm -hmm. every day to have energy and to be happy uh, and overall health, really. And I know that sounds like, you know, the soapbox pedestal answer. Uh, But the other thing I'll say is my clients. 
I am yep. so inspired every day by my clients and their progress and what I see, even with podcast listeners too. It's like when I hear from someone that they heard something and it changed their life, that's that, the best thing and the right? biggest motivator and why I do what I do. Oh my gosh. Right. And, and that's the best feeling. It's like, it just like pushes you even harder to just keep going. Cause I completely agree with all of that. All right. Well, thank you so, so, so much for talking through these with me. I feel like this is going to be amazing. Like we dove really deep into a lot of these, um, but just go ahead and like kind of plug yourself and tell everyone where to find you. I'll put all of your info in the show notes and stuff. You can just click and go to it, but go ahead and tell my listeners like where they can find you, how to get in touch. Perfect. Yeah. The easiest place is honestly Instagram. I am at Jen Trepek, J-E-N-N-T-R-E-P-E-C-K. And the podcast is Salad with a Side of Fries. You can find us on every platform, whichever one you love. I'm sure it's there. And my website is betterlifenowllc.com, but Instagram is super easy and we're all there. So reach out. I'd love to hear from you and hear your favorite myth that we debunked or answer any questions, all the good stuff. Yeah, perfect. And I'll make sure to put all of those in the show notes so that you guys can just click on them and go straight to her, her website and Instagram and even the podcast link. I'll link that too. So thank you so much for this. I think this was amazing. Thank you so much. So fun to be here and chat with you. It's awesome. Of course. All right. Thank you guys. I will talk to you all next week. If you're already following me on my other social media accounts, then I'm sure you've heard that I'm taking clients and I'm so excited. If you're struggling with your weight, relationship with food, a specific health concern, or you just need motivation to live a healthier lifestyle, then come work with me. I want to be your accountability partner. Visit my website that I have linked in the show notes and book your free 30-minute consultation with me and we can figure out the best plan that works for you. Thank you so much for listening. I love you all and appreciate your support so much. I will be uploading a new episode every Wednesday, so make sure you subscribe and share with your friends. Follow my Instagram and TikTok at Nutrition by Lex for more information and health inspiration.